Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick on today's show. Well, it turns out that uh, the White House can still move markets. Uh, COVID's not the only thing that matters here. Let's talk about the overnight volatility as it relates to trade war headlines and the uh, the shenanigans that ensued off of that. Uh, we also have a couple other things on our radar this morning. We're watching Intel in the wake of uh, the news out of the Apple Worldwide Developer Conference yesterday that Apple is moving away from Intel's chips. We knew that uh, would have probably happened, but they actually confirmed it yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk solar and Tesla with our guest, Gordon Johnson. He is the founder of GLJ Research. He was on the show at 8.35. Let's now bring Joel on here. And Joel... Um, a lot to update in the overnight session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we're hired by 26 handles. Uh, that's not the whole story. We'll go into that in more detail with Dennis. Uh, 3060, uh, that print market low. It wasn't there long enough, but it was long enough to, uh, you know, get me uh, long at 84 and stop me out at 64, like within 30 seconds. And then right back up here. 3139 is your pre-market high. We're banging up against uh, some of the highs from last week. My big number, the, the high from last week, 3156 and a quarter. That's another 20 handles away. Crude, crude is in the green this morning. It's holding up over $40. So you've had a nice sustainable rally. It's up 71 cents at 4144. Gold's in the green too. Can gold finally clear 1800? That's up 520 at 1771.80. Silver just under 18, but up 4.3 cents at 1794.5. And, and Bitcoin just hanging out 96.50. That's up 65 dollars. So I'm going to take a little break here. I'm going to bring in Triple D. And uh, you're right, William Lay. He does have a little rant. Uh, prepared for us this morning. Ah, the fireworks from last night. Okay, so if you were sleeping or if you just weren't paying attention to the markets last night, we had a significant, let's show the S&P futures chart from last night, significant sudden sell-off. We were trading up 20 handles when I quit trading around 8 o'clock because the equities closed at 8 o'clock. And then around 9 o'clock, we just fall out of bed. We tank. And I see the futures tank and I was like, what just happened? because that is not technical. That is a news event. You can see those two huge red candles. Well, what happened was we had an interview with Peter Navarro, who is the trade advisor, and he was on Fox. And he basically said that the trade deal with China was dead. 
let's get the exact words um, from Spencer. I think you have, do you have the transcript in front yeah, of you? So I'll, I'll just read the end of her question here. This is from uh, Martha McCallum. Read the full question if you can, because she says trade deal twice in it. Yeah, I'll read the full question. Uh, you know, uh, do you think that the president sort of, I mean, he obviously wanted to hang on to this trade deal as much as possible. And he wanted them to make good on, good on the promises because there had been progress made on that trade deal. But given everything that's happened and all the things you just listed, is that over? And his response was, it's over. Yes. And then he went on to say pretty much, you know, the second that China went, went wheels up after signing the trade deal, that's when they heard about uh, the coronavirus and they've lied from the beginning about that. And so, yes, trade deal over, according to Navarro at nine, whatever, nine o'clock last night. And that's why the futures tanked last night. But about 30 minutes later, and I don't know why, I can speculate why, but Navarro backed off those comments and told the Wall Street Journal that his comments on Fox were taken out of context. And then moments later, Kudlow comes out and says the trade deal is still on. And then we go even a step farther, and Trump has to come out and tweet. Do we have the Trump tweet, Mr. Israel? I'm throwing under yep. the bus because I don't know. 22 p.m. The China trade deal is fully intact. Hopefully, they will continue to live up to the terms of the agreement. So, I speculate behind the scenes that Navarro said those comments. We watched the futures tank, and. The White House is not impressed with the futures tanking from the comments that were said on Fox. And they probably said to Navarro, hey, let's uh, back those comments off a bit. This, you know, whether it's true or not, I'm not sure. So there's two things here. One, Navarro is saying his comments were taken out of context. Clearly, if you read that transcript, they were not taken out of context. So there's two possibilities in my opinion here. One, he is lying. Or two, he's uninformed about the trade deal. So the trade advisor to the White House is uninformed about the progress of the China-U.S. trade talks, trade deal talks. So you pick your poison. Here, I, Either of those don't sound very good to me. I'll read to you his statement after the fact, all right? Yeah. My comments have been taken wildly out of context. Wildly. Was that wildly <laughs> out of context, folks? We had a transcript. It had nothing at all to do with the phase one trade deal, which continues in place. I was simply speaking to the lack of trust we now have of the Chinese Communist Party after they lied about the origins of the China virus. Thank you very much. And foisted a pandemic upon the world. So he says I was referring to the virus. He's referring to the fact that we don't trust them. Phase one trade deal. Phase one of how many, we don't know, uh, is intact, whatever that means. So. so he says it was taken out of context, but literally in the preceding question, before he says it's over, twice, McCollum, the interviewer, says trade deal in the question. I mean, he obviously, let's just read it again. I mean, he obviously really wanted to hang on to this trade deal as much as possible. And he wanted them to make good on the promises because there had been progress made on that trade deal. Twice said trade deal. But given everything that's happened and all the things that just listed, is that over? Pretty clear question. Navarro, pretty clear answer. It's over. Yes. So it is not taken out of context, not even in the least. So I do speculate, and you know, obviously we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but the White House was obviously not impressed with his comments, and we're not impressed with the 60-point sell-off in the S&P. So as traders, we need to know two things. This really enlightens us. Because not only is the Fed defending this market at any cost, 
the White House is defending this market at any cost as well, because this makes the White House look inept, to be honest. It makes them look like, one, that their trade, uh, their trade advisor is uninformed on the trade deals, or he's flat out lying. So they're more concerned about the market than their appearance here. And the market obviously rallied all the way back you know, from those lows, and we were making new highs on the move, because now traders realize that we not only have the Fed, and I think traders knew this anyways, but we definitely have the White House behind us too. So the White House wants the market up, Fed wants the market up, everybody wants the market up, Corona wants the market down, doesn't matter, we're gonna keep going with the Fed. Hard to fight the Fed, hard to fight the White House. Joel, thoughts on this debacle, because that's what this is. What is phase, I, what is phase one of the trade deal anyways? That's exactly, Spencer, make the point you were making on the pre-pre-market show about moving the bar. I, I, I've said this previously, uh, phase one of how many? We don't know how many. Phase, they moved the bar. They, they said, okay, we, we created, we started this, this trade war a few years ago, and we're, and we're not going to solve it overnight here. So let's just, let's just appease the masses and say we've agreed to phase one of a deal. How many phases are there going to be? They've never said. I, I don't know. I, it just moving the goalposts. I, I don't know. I, I'm. Th th this whole story is is just a convoluted mess to me. You just got to forget about it, really. Well, I we mean, did for a while, and this and clearly <laughs> overnight we we remembered. So, I mean, you can just forget about all this stuff. But this is what, as traders, you need to know, and especially if you're putting on shorts, you need to know what you are fighting. And without the Fed, there is absolutely no doubt that this market would be significantly lower. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, in that, in that way, I guess. But with that being said, I mean, I think it's very interesting to say the least that, you know, somebody can come out flat out and say the trade deal is off. And then 25 minutes later, because the market tanked, have to back off those comments and say my, my, my words were taken out of context, which they were not. So it's crazy to think that the administration cares this much about, you know, the, the markets, but they do. So knowing that, it makes me scared to be short stocks because the White House is behind you, the Fed is behind you. You're, you're fighting the White House and you're fighting the Fed if you're shorting stocks. And you're also fighting the overall trend to a certain extent, although in the last month, the trend is just kind of just sitting here. Like we are in a battleground, if we just talk technically, between the bulls and the bears. It's a huge battle. Obviously, significant sell-off last night. We know buy the dip blindly just continues to work. Even if last night you didn't even follow that was a any tough, of these. Yeah, but yeah, but that, it was a I, tough I, one. It's scary when they say the trade deal's off. You think, oh, we're going to get hammered on this. And we would have. But, you know, they backed off the comments and the president tweeted yeah, out, no, no the trade deal is on. Yep. But, you know, we don't know. Like, it's a trade. Is it really a trade deal? Do you honestly think there's a trade deal happening here? Do we think it's all final and it's good and we got a trade deal with China? Do you honestly think that? I don't think there's any trade deal at all. I think the phase one, they had some negotiation. What is phase one, like Spencer said? What is phase one? What is phase two? Is there phase 25, like Spencer was saying? How many phases are there going to be to this, this tr trade deal that we've talked about for two bloody years? It moves the market, though. So it's yep. important to know, as traders, you need to know what's moving. And it moves the overall market. And people, Spencer is saying we're up because of Germany. Sure, maybe we're up a little bit. But we sold off 60 handles on the Navarro comments. And we immediately rallied all the 60 handles back. So all the shenanigans from last night were completely from Navarro. Don't kid yourself. We didn't sell off 60 points just out of the blue and then rally 60 points just out of the blue. It sold yeah. off because Navarro said there's no deal. And then it rallied because Kudlow and Trump and Navarro after that said there is a deal. So that was the rally. And obviously, you know, it's just continued. But you probably got some people caught short from last night too 
people who sold on that algos who sold on that headline. You know, there is some people who sold down there and they're scrambling for cover here because, you know, here they are, they hit it on a headline and boom, now the headline's the other way. So it's, it's all just nonsense. It's hard. I mean, it, it, I mean, a lot of times overnight, you know, you can get some great opportunities, but sometimes when things like happen like that overnight, I mean, you just got to take your licking and keep on ticking. And, uh, you know, that was at the, the, where I was trying to get long. I didn't think I had any chance of getting that order. So so you had an order out there and got hit. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got stopped out by four points. Yeah. Oh, yep. you would have made. So well, I would have came with the comments a few minutes earlier. Ah, I mean, this this is the market we have, know. though. It is headline driven. This proves how much headlines move markets. People say, "Oh, don't worry about the headlines. Just trade what's in front of you." Maybe if you're a pure intraday trader, that's okay. But once you start taking things overnight, because that's when most of the headlines come out, you've got to be cognizant of the headlines. You've got to be cognizant of when potential headlines can happen. Because they will, when the headline happens, it doesn't matter how pretty the chart is. If, you know, it's bad news for the most part in this market, sometimes bad news is good news. It is market moving. So anyways, I think we're rallying. You know, yes, Europe Europe, Europe is helping here this morning, but we're also rallying because we got people caught last night that hit this on the headline. It was down for about 25, 30 minutes. And yeah, scrambling. I was just looking at that. Yep. And yep. they're caught short and they're going to, you know, squeeze those day traders, those algos too that hit it on this thing. And here we are. We're back right up. Back up. Yep. Real Can't quick, uh, down. Emily. Emily threw out a question. We have we have people of all different. We have new traders. We have old, you know, experienced traders. So, any question that comes out of our chat is a good one. So I know some of our higher end traders here get a little frustrated. But what we were talking about after eight o'clock, Emily, is the futures markets are still open. Uh, although equities stopped their after hours trading at 8 p.m., that's when Triple D shuts it down. The futures continue to trade on, at, and uh, all the way until the opening bell at 9:30. Now the stocks do reopen at 4 a.m., so they're and they account for the activity between 8 p.m. and 4 a.m. So that's like when I get texted from Dennis and something. Did you just see the blank show? This and everything that's taking place in the futures. So. Uh, all right, let's get to, uh, I know we don't have much earnings, but we got some new stocks to talk about here. And uh, AOL, Dennis, are you a buyer at 1340? On what? Did I say AOL? That's American Airlines. Yeah, that's what you said. I was like, it, I'm like did, American, uh, did America Online come back? I was like, <laughs> it's not in my, I better add that to my scanners. AAL is what yeah, he's talking what do you about. Think? And it's the news of the day. We warned everybody who bought this yesterday that there was probably going to be a significant discount price on that offering. And that is exactly what has happened here overnight. Um, we're, I, we, I don't know if we have official confirmation of the pricing, do we? But it's been reported that uh, by Bloomberg, it was reported, I believe, last night. It's thirteen fifty on the offering. So yep. obviously we know, I, tell, I, tell, I explained all this yesterday, how the herbs work. They get the thirteen fifty. They'll short the stock against the stock that they know that they're getting. So you see arbitrage coming in and hitting it down as traders who obviously are participating in the, in the secondary pricing get it long at thirteen fifty or anticipate that they're going to get along at thirteen fifty and then sell it at fourteen ninety, fourteen eighty, fourteen seventy and lock in the profits. They've sold it all the way down to fourteen oh seven. These levels can often act as floors. So the 1350 is a huge level for American Airlines. I will also say the 1407, which is the June 11th low, um, is also a very important number here. 
but again, U.S. still traded through there. So don't think it can't trade through there. It can. They can go anywhere. But usually you find support at the, at the secondary pricing. So 1350 is the official price. People bought yesterday weren't listening to the pre-market prep show because we specifically warned about this. And um, it's down at $14 now. So if you want to take a flyer, I'd be stopping myself out below that 1350 pricing if I was trying to buy it here. But I don't know if I want to be investing in a company that has to raise cash at any cost. S&P's just ripped, just made a new high uh, for the session up 32.75. High is 45.75. Last week's high, 56 and a quarter. We're getting there, folks. We are definitely, definitely getting there. So other airlines were also trading weaker last night, but they have turned with the overall market. So American Airlines, the only one being held down because of their offering price. Boeing has went to the green, which was trading red the entire night. So you're seeing a dash for a little bit of the trash this morning. But again, yesterday, you're also seeing a rally in a lot of different stocks too. So not only tech has really led the way. We've been talking about tech stocks here forever. And I said, those are the companies that I would be buying on pullbacks, the ones that are firing all cylinders and they continue to fire on all cylinders. Let's talk Apple because Apple is up another Ooh. six bucks here this morning. Um, breaking out to all-time highs. Yes, I'm still long my Apple. Um, been long it for years. I plan on staying long Apple, even though I trade around the position sometimes, but um, still long Apple. So what's there to say? I mean, it's all-time highs. Busting out up 591. Uh, let's look at uh, well, your pre-market high. They really like the stuff they said at that developers conference. Uh I mean, the TV shows, you see some of those TV shows that they're coming up with? I mean, they're going to be competing. And then also they're looking at sports. And then I also saw something where you're going to be able to, like, unlock your car and stuff through the iPhone. So, I mean, they're just they're expanding here and taking over the world. And you're trading just off the highs of the pre-market session right here, right now, like 364 Maybe some paper there at 365. Who knows? But uh, for this one, really, the only thing you can do is just keep up, uh, you know, where the pre-market high is and use that as a parameter. I don't think you're going to get any chance to buy this at scratch on the session or even at the top of yesterday's range. The top of yesterday's range is 359.46. So maybe at once move down to 360. But uh, right now, all indicating uh, 400 bucks, right? Probably breaking by out. the end of the week. Yep. Breaking out. Microsoft, too, breaking out over 200 yesterday. Full disclosure, I am still long Microsoft as well. We know my portfolio, long-term investing portfolio, is just loaded up with tech stocks because I believe that's where the growth continues to come from. Microsoft firing on all cylinders, a breakout over 200. The party continues here this morning. It's up two bucks. I'm, I'm, I have no intentions of selling my Microsoft anytime soon. Even though the valuation starting to get a little stretched, it's just hot. No Mr. thoughts on Microsoft? Mr. Uh, well, speaking of Apple, I, I guess Joel's not going to give thoughts on Microsoft, but speaking of Apple, we What's should, there to say? We should talk I'll, I'll give you the pre-market high. That's it keeps going well Sorry. microsoft did actually have a headline here they're they're throwing in the towel on their uh streaming uh service and they're they're moving all their streamers over to to facebook uh mixer was the name of their service there so uh that was interesting but they're still the, the kings of the cloud along with amazon but speaking of uh apple here from their conference yesterday so the the intel news was out a couple of months ago it was out like mm -hmm. in april it was rumored in april that apple was gonna uh, move away from Intel chips. Um, 
And they confirmed that yesterday. They said they're going to move away uh, from Intel chips starting in, when was it, 2021 or 22? I don't have the exact date in front of me here, but uh, yeah, two years. So 2022. Uh, and initially, Intel actually spiked on that headline, though it gave those gains back here. If I pull up a chart, you'll be able to see what yeah. I'm referring to. Um, but that was confirmed yesterday and I, I think people may have thought initially that oh they're they're not transitioning tomorrow which I, I guess is a positive but uh, it'll, it's still unquestionably as the analysts were saying this morning unquestionably a negative headline for Intel. Yeah for sure a negative headline. Intel's trading slightly in the red here in the pre-market. Intel's got a pass for a long time on a lot of things and the growth has not been there with Intel. They have let AMD take over and NVIDIA. Let's just think about where Intel was 20 years ago. And let's think about where AMD and NVIDIA were 20 years ago. And now look at the difference. I mean, NVIDIA is probably your leader here now. AMD, obviously the chips and Intel is starting to fall off. So they keep giving Intel a pass. Yes, the valuation is very cheap. And that's probably why I got value investors, even like myself, that like the stock. I've been in it a couple of times, but it has not, you know, they have not been firing on all cylinders at all. And don't kid yourself. This is not good news for Intel to be losing Apple. And I believe Apple said they were going to create their own chips. Did they not from those old headlines? Yes. Like if people respect that they're going to go to AMD or they're going to go to NVIDIA, nope. I believe that they're just planning on creating their own chips. I mean, why not? I mean, Apple has a lot of smart people there. They can do this stuff. So I don't see why, why not? Why not do that? Hey, looking so. at the Intel chart here, I see it's down 20 cents, but I mean, it's been, it's just been hanging up here. You know, it did, it made that high in uh, February, been trying to recover. I mean, you can't say it's really in, in any kind of major technical trouble here. And you have some lows in the 58 handle. I see 58.83. We're not even near that. I see another low at uh, 58.12. So nothing, I mean, it's still hanging in there. I think until you, you know, you really pound, get under 58, I don't think you have to worry. It just seems like a consolidation period. Uh, it did get hit, has rebounded. I guess if you're looking to play this one, I think the best number of the day would be the close, 60.09. If they can get above that, maybe take a look at yesterday's high. Uh, if not, looks like we have you know, so a little bit of work to do on the downside, but it doesn't look like anybody's like rushing out of this stock today. Heavily traded stock. I'd rather own AMD or, or NVIDIA, I think, than Intel, even though the valuation's a lot cheaper. The growth just hasn't been there for Intel. Minda growth. The market likes growth. I like growth as well. So tech still remains a hot trade here. Lots of other stocks that are moving here this morning. We talked about, obviously, Boeing. Maybe we should go do a quick technical on Boeing. And we can do some tickers from the chat. You guys want to throw us tickers here? Throw us a bunch of tickers. We'll do some more. I saw a Workhouse there. Yes, I'm still on worker, Workhorse. Workhouse. Workhorse. Whatever it is, work. What's going on with <laughs> Bowen? But let's Bowen, go to Boeing first. Bowen up 372 at 192.24. Hmm. Trying to get a bounce, getting a little bit of a bounce, put a couple lows in, a couple lows in the same area. Is that what you got here? We're getting bounces really. here. This is weird. This hard chart. Go ahead. We're getting bounces in some of the, you know, the stocks, the, the reopening plays, but the bounces have been pretty muted. Um, before, when we were seeing the S&P futures take off 1%, you're seeing the reopening stocks trade up 4 or 5%. And you're starting to see a disconnect here where you're actually seeing relative weakness in some of these stocks now. So I still think a lot of these reopening stocks 
I mean, the reopening we know is not going well and people are piling into tech. It's not the hot trade to go and buy Boeing and the airlines now. And maybe it'll turn, but the last few days, the trade, you know, you can even see, you know, like stocks, um, obviously, you know, like I, I sold like Kohl's and we were talking those ones. They've been weak. The retailers have been weak. The airlines have been weak. Relative to the overall market, they've been weak. And a lot of them didn't even participate much yesterday. But you did see um, tech continue to show, you know, that it's the strength. So I think... I look at these stocks and I was like, I don't know if I want to be in the reopening plays as much as I did before. I don't think you're going to get this 20% up move or 30% up move in Boeing in three sessions like we did. I could be wrong. And, you know, maybe the momentum starts to pile back in and these stocks start to go. But I think people are spooked on these stocks a little bit here right now. They've got hit. They got smacked around. Obviously, you know, they broke out. We know back at the beginning of June. And then they got hit really hard. And now there's some people burned. So you have a little bit of an overhead supply issue as well. So you get Boeing anywhere near, where, near, anywhere near 200 again, it starts to run into trouble. So I'd rather just be in new. I'd rather just be in tech stocks making new all-time highs. To be honest with you. Yeah, I think this one jacking around. I guess if you want to get a little bit technical here and you want to say, hey, you know, made to run up. This thing is in a bull train. We're taking off. We're going back to 300. What your technician would say is uh, 234 was the high of the move. You got down to, wow, did you get down to 166 after that? So what's that, 34 and 34, let's call that 70. Add 35 to that, boom, getting right back to that 200 area, and that's the 50% retracement. A daily high at 208.30, I see a high at 198.03. So figure out that exact 50% retracement. If you clear that, then that you don't make a run, get a run back up at that 234.20. But every time I look at the Boeing chart and I'm like, wow, it doesn't have that big of a range. And then I look at the dailies and and it actually does have good ranges. It just, it was once such a high price stock. It doesn't, uh, doesn't look. But trading above yesterday's high, 188.70. So Use that as support if you get a little dip. Just a pile of stocks coming from the chat. Yeah, I know. Lithium wow. is all over it. So we got to talk LTHM. They did a secondary yesterday. That was the reason for the sell-off there. We know it's a Jason Rasnick pick. I am long at two as well. Yeah, so obviously so, yeah. I was disappointed as well. I threw it in there because Jason's been hot. And I bought it at, at like five, I think around five. 50 or something and it ran up to 850 i should have rang the register obviously i didn't but they did do a convertible note and that is why it sold off yesterday 225 million dollars worth of convertible note um so they were raising cash probably because they needed some cash so i mean that's never that great of a thing but i i like the lithium story i like you know the electric car story and it's a play on that so I'm going to stick with it. If Jason changes his mind, I'll change my mind. We'll get Jason back on on Friday to get his thoughts. But this is one of his picks. I'm sticking with it because that Rasnick guy's been hot. Yeah, and I mean, if you know, if you're if you're you know watching the show and you're looking at every stock and you're looking at every tick and everything, I mean, yeah, nothing goes some, straight up. Yeah, some good calls and some bad calls. I mean, it's uh, I think um, a lot of people that uh, watch the show and participate in it do a hell of a lot of their own homework and have their own trading ideas and then looking there for confirmation or or not confirmation so i think you got to be able to uh you got to be able to do your own research take into account what we have to say and uh you know pull your own secondaries happen on stocks that aren't firing on all cylinders and let's be honest lthm wasn't a stock that was firing on all cylinders and not some tech stock that's breaking out you know it's 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 impacted by the shutdown it's impacted as well this is it's still a, a more of a reopening stock 
than a lockdown stock. You know, this is no, nothing to do with that. So you can say you're going to any reopening stock. If you're buying any reopening stock right now, stocks that need a reopening to continue to, you know, make money. You and these zombie corporations we're talking about. If you're buying any of these, you ha run the risk of a secondary at any time. You know, Phil LeBeau is on CNBC and he said in the airlines, he's like, don't kid yourself. There is going to be a lot more offerings in all of the airline stocks because they need it, maybe with the exception of love, because LUV has a lot of cash going forward. But they did a nice analysis on CNBC saying, you know, looking at the cash situation and how long these companies can survive with their current cash load. I think LUV was over two years. So LUV can go a long time. So maybe there's not an imminent offering in LUV, but, you know, AAL has done one. UAL tried to do one a while ago. Maybe they're going to try it again. Maybe there's more taste for it. Um, you know, Delta probably could be one to do them as well. So if you're buying these stocks, you do run the risk of another, L, you know, LTHM or an AAL where they're going to come in and look at AAL now. Buying it yesterday. People buying it yesterday, very, very uninformed AAL. It's now down 8%. We knew the offering was on the table. You knew the price is going to be in the hole. Who the hell wants to go, you know, load up AL? They weren't going to price it at 15. They weren't going to price it at 14 and a half. It was going to be priced significantly under the market so they could get it, it yeah. done. Yeah, so they could get it done. And here you are. It's 1376 here this morning. So people are just saying, oh, it'll bounce right back. American Airlines is going to go right back. It's not the way the stuff works normally. You know, yes, some funny things happen. And yes, sometimes stocks bounce on offerings. But often the ones that are bouncing on offerings are the companies that are firing on all cylinders when they do a secondary. Think about like a small biotech that has good trials. And then two days later, they do the secondary to fund all the, the next rounding of trials. Well, that's a good reason. That's a reason for growth. You know, Sean Emery was tweeting at me. You know, there's two reasons to do an offering. One, you know, you're raising cash to finance the growth of your business. In this case, you're raising cash to allow your business to survive. Which one do you want to buy on these offerings? I want to buy the ones that are financing for the growth. So American airline investors being absolutely punished here are the ones, and deservingly so. If you bought this yesterday, you weren't listening to the show, and I'm sorry to say um, you deserve to be punished for it because this is the way this stuff works. Is 1350 going to hold? I hope it does. Maybe it will. Sometimes things act as a bottom. But the U.S. Steel X, 850 was the pricing. It's the trading at 820. Yeah. They don't have to hold those pricing. So don't kid yourself. It doesn't have to hold there. So 1492 the close, 1365. You just flat out shorted it yesterday. You're making money. Let's talk. I saw you tweet out about Go, G-O. Get it. What was it added to? Which index was it added to? G-O? S&P 400, I think. Yeah. What a man, I wish I would have saw this stock grocery outlet holding company. Oh my god, we, talked you, about it. You, we have talked about it. Um, I trade it, so maybe we haven't yeah. talked about it on the show. Yeah, uh, getting added. Nice pop here, uh, broke out of 35 and a half. We just seem to have a stubborn little seller here. 38.51 is your pre market high, so. I don't know. You went up there a couple times. Looked like you got a decent seller there. You get through that 38.51. Boom. Do we have anything on the dailies there? Nope. Nothing on the dailies. I don't know. Gonna have, oh, 38.80. I don't know. It just seems like you got a big pop. You're not really giving much of it back, but then again, you're not getting any you know buyers here to take it at that, you know, 38 and a half, 39. So quick profits on that one. Let's see if it can hold up. So lots of other stocks. Again, the ticker is just flying with stocks here. So we're, we're maybe jump back. LK, let's talk LK. Is that still on the board? 
Yep. Yep. I don't know how we much. Throw it in with Hertz and throw in with all these. These are, you know, these were the hope trades, we can call them. So these aren't even reopening trades. These are hope trades. We hope LK doesn't go bust. We hope Hertz somehow has some value left for shareholders, even though there's an analyst yesterday saying it's a zero, even though all logic says it's a zero. Um, obviously, you know, it's a dollar twenty-nine. I mean, well, all these trades are just call option lottery tickets. The reason it's You're down hoping. The reason it's down this morning is because Nasdaq sent them a letter saying we're going to delist you because you you didn't follow your annual. There you go. So we knew this was coming here too. Um, yeah. You know, this was always the reason why they re brought it out of the hall, get allow people to get out of it. It had a little pop there afterwards, a little bit of life. You know, went up with the Hertz, and we obviously went from a buck thirty-three, a significant pop, up to six dollars and seventy-nine cents. Those proved to be selling opportunities, as you would think. And stocks now two seventy-seven. Um, delisted is never good. I don't want to own a stock that's getting delisted. Yeah, that news just came out, and uh, I was talking with a buddy of mine that did own it, and the uh, the short uh, rate that he was getting for loaning his stock kept on going up and up and up and up. And I'm like, well, doesn't that mean that someone's more confident that it's going down, down, down? So mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, down 40 cents, heavy volume, 278, LK. Chat still flying with symbols here. Spencer, do you want to lead the way here? I feel like I've been leading the way the whole time. Just start pounding up the Well, we got our guests coming. Let's go workhorse. Yeah, two minutes. Let's do workhorse real fast because um, everybody, this was obviously given to us, you know, by I think it was Mitch in the chat originally two weeks ago. I bought it because I like the setup. Thank you again, Mitch. I'm still long it. I bought it at 335. The stock is now 635. So I've almost doubled my money in this in two weeks. At a certain point, it's sometimes prudent when you double your money. I used to always say, I double my money on stock, I sell half, and then I'm playing completely with the house's money forever. I used to always do that. I sometimes let them go a little bit more. This story is just hot right now. And it's eventually, you know, it's had such a move. It's a big move. So, you know, it will have a cool off candle, but it's kind of cooled off. It hasn't been straight up either. It's had some significant pullbacks, you know, in this run here too. So it's 635 now. It's in full, you know, and obviously this is a play on electric, uh, electric trucks. So I think the story could remain hot. I think eventually this could be a $10 stock. So I'm trying to hold it all and not sell half, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, at this point in time, it's a trade that's uh, turned into a long-term investment, <laughs> at least for now. So man, we'll electric, see if it continues to go. The electric story, trucks are hot, man. The electric story is hot, and this is a play on that. So I like the story still. I think the stock can continue to go. I'm holding on. Uh, monthly, if you're looking for a monthly number, we did hit 688, I believe. But if, uh, if you're partial to monthly numbers, if you've been waiting to get your money back since January of 2017, you had a high at 729 and the end of that month at 324. So there's a monthly number for you in Workhorse Group, Inc., all right, still waiting on our guest to join us. Uh, let's look at Fastly here, FSLY. This thing broke out. Well, I mean, I guess has been breaking out for, yeah. for a couple of days here. But um, Another that's stock that's just been ripping and roaring. And I mean, it's so many stocks that once they get the ball going in one direction, just continue to go. And we know the cloud names have just been some of the hottest stocks in the last month. I mean, you can just go through any of the cloud names almost, you know, the majority of them aside, maybe from, you know, some of the bigger ones like salesforce.com have just blasted off into orbit. Fastly is no exception. The stock has basically doubled in a month. And if you're going back another month further than that, it's almost quadrupled. 
So if you're buying it here now, you're definitely chasing it. I will say you're on, you know, obviously the trend is your friend, but this is a parabolic move here now. Eventually it's going to have a candle that cools off. I don't like chasing. I would say this is a stock I would probably be looking at buying on a pullback, but it has oh, not had a pullback man, yeah. in a while. Wow. Up Feels a little and, long in the tooth. Yeah, a little, but nice volume yesterday. Nice volume the last couple of days is moving up. Uh why try and pick a top? Just put a stop. Maybe uh, trail your stop under seventy three. Under seventy three bucks. I mean, you know, you had the high yesterday seventy three fifty. The close at seventy three twenty seven. Uh, unless you feel, I mean, unless you're coming into a target, your target seventy eight fifty. Then by all means, you know, take your target. It's just kind of stalling here, just under seventy nine. 78.94 is your pre-market high. So if you're looking for like 79 half, 80, 81, you know, right there. Seems like pretty good volume. You got a 79 seller right now. See if you can get rid of him during the regular session. All right. I'm bringing on our guest uh, right now, Gordon sure. Johnson. So this, this, might, this might take a second to get him going here. But Gordon Johnson is the founder of GLJ Research. He's been joining our show uh, periodically for a couple of years now, giving us uh, very strong thoughts on solar, renewable energy, uh, steel, industrials. So I'll get him going here now. Gordon, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you. How, how are we doing this morning? Good, good. Can you guys see me? Not yet. That's what I'm waiting for. Oh, okay. He's trying. He's bringing us. There he is. There's Gordon. There it is. There we go. Good morning, Good to Gordon. see you, Gordon. Welcome. <laughs> Hey guys, trying to get you get you on the screen for years. It's great to see you. There yeah, you go. good to see you. Look at that. The power of the coronavirus working from home. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And looking nice. I like that suit there too. You're looking sure. good. Thank you. Thank He's you. looking sharp. Sure. You know, I try to dress up for you guys. <laughs> He's in the pre-market prep blue there, just like our, our logo. Did, did you That's shoot right. that deer in the back there? I uh, I did not. It came it came with the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Gordon's making my wardrobe look bad here, so I'm going off camera. Um, <laughs> what, what, let's get your uh, your broad thoughts, Gordon, on, on your coverage here. We, we know you cover yeah. you cover renewables, you cover steel, uh, you cover Tesla. Give us your broad thoughts on on how your coverage is is holding up amidst this crisis. I mean, it's holding up extremely well. We cover a lot of growth companies, and the reality is, a lot of stocks are disconnected from reality. I think it's driven by the billions of dollars daily the Fed is pumping into the market. Um, a lot of people would say needlessly. Um, I think it's driving um, a, a FOMO trade. I think there's a lot of retail investors home um, who are getting money that are trading. So, so, so essentially, let's start with solar. So with solar, prices are collapsing. Uh, we hear prices are around kind of 17.7 cents for the second half. Costs are around 21 cents. So we think that there's going to be negative, potentially gross margins for companies. So we think the fundamentals are going to be very bad. Uh, but the two stocks that have really been soaring are the, the inverter stocks, Enphase and SolarEdge. And while we think Enphase's numbers are going to be good, there was a report put out by Prescient Point. Look, we think Enphase could be overvalued, uh, but we think the report had a lot of flaws. But with respect to Sedge, who has really been the, 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 the high flyer, we think there's big problems in the second half. There's C... FO, I'm sorry, their CEO was at the JP Morgan conference last week. He stated he has not seen a return to 2019 levels as of last week for his business. Pretty much every other solar company is saying they have. They're losing money to Enphase. Uh, we believe they're losing share in China. 
to guys like Huawei SunGrow. So we think Solar Edge's numbers, the stock is trading at, you know, 30 times a number next year that we think, uh, EPS number that we think it could potentially get cut in half. Um, we think there's bad numbers com coming for them in the second half. We think the stock's going to get hit in the second half because we think that people are way too bullish um, uh, on what the second half's going to look like for them. They're, they're a resi retail play in the U.S. You know, guys are not, you know, think about it, 40, oh, 40 plus million unemployed. People are not rushing at the bit to uh, put a $30,000, $20,000 solar system on their house. Moving to Tesla, we think their numbers too are going to be bad. Now, Tesla's accounting is always uh, tricky. Um, they, they recognize a lot of things and pull a lot of things forward. But if you just look at the registration data, in Colorado, which is the most generous um, uh, uh, EV market, their sales in April, May are down 73%. They're the 29th worst car, car company in Colorado. Again, highest EV incentives in Colorado, even better than California. If you look at Europe, um, Norway, Netherlands, Spain, their sales has fallen from 36% in the fourth quarter to 3.6%. 3, 3 in China, they're supposed to be selling 16.6 thousand cars um, uh, per month. And in April, it was roughly 4,000 cars. In May, it was about 11.4 thousand cars. So they're missing there. And in the U.S., you know, if you look outside of Colorado, you look at Texas, uh, sales down roughly 60%. You look at Florida, sales down roughly 70%. So those numbers are going to be bad. We just don't know how the accounting is going to look. Taking a step even further back, looking at the steel stocks, um, you know, we just upgraded the steel stocks. We thought that there was going to be um, an infrastructure bill, which you got from both Trump and the Democrats. We thought the steel mills were going to collude on prices. They're actually not colluding. You've had um, uh, U.S. steel, um, uh, 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 Cleveland Cliffs via AK steel and JSW ramp capacity, three separate steel mills ramping capacity. So they're not colluding on prices. Cliffs make sense. They're steel mills close to auto plant. U.S. steel, JSW do not. And now you have the auto companies producing autos, so scrap steel is coming in. So we think that there's going to be downward pressure on U.S. steel prices. You're entering into the slow season. So we also think fundamentally there's some trouble there. Well, there's a lot there to digest. All right, uh, going, back, <laughs> go, going back to the first two you mentioned, solar engine end phase. So second half weakness, what about beyond that? Yeah, so beyond that, it's a little more difficult to ascertain. Uh, what a lot of people were hoping for was that the, 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 the investment tax credit in the U.S. was going to um, uh, be extended to next year. That's not going to happen. So the solar uh, pundits, the solar bulls did not get what they want. We think what happens is you had a rule in the U.S. that required you to have rapid shutdown if you use an inverter. And in 2017, 18, 19, that gave SolarEdge simply a monopoly in the best market. Now everybody has that capability. We think Generac is a formidable player who could come in and take share, not doing it in a big way yet, but we think they could. And we think Enphase has moved into the number one market share position that SolarEdge held before. And given the quality issues with SolarEdge's product, we think Enphase is really the one to play if you want to be aggressive. Um, uh, on the positive side. We think SolarEdge has big problems in the U.S. The data shows they're losing share in every market. And we think they have big problems in, in, in Europe. And what everybody's saying is, okay, they're transitioning out of resi, out of the residential market into commercial. But keep in mind, residential ASPs are around 32 to 35 cents. Commercial ASPs, however, are basically 15 cents. So the margins in that space are much lower. That's not factored in the consensus estimates. So even if they don't have, even if, even if second half is better demand-wise, we think the mix ship is really going to hit their margins. This stock is trading for, you know, perfection and growth and execution. We think it's one of the better shorts in the market, SolarEdge.
Gordon, uh, you, you mentioned briefly the report that came out from Enphase there last week from Precinct Point Capital Management. Yep. Uh, they said that, you know, there's fra fraudulent activities happening here. Um, you follow the, the company um, a lot more closely than obviously we do. What right. were your thoughts on this report? And do you agree with anything in there? Well, listen, they put out a similar report two years ago, and I'm not trying to knock their report, but there was a similar call made on SolarEdge about three years ago. And what it looked at is it looked at SolarEdge's reported sales versus what GTM is reporting basically installs are. And there's a lag between sell in, sell through, and then sell out, if you will. So that report on SolarEdge got everybody excited. The stock went down, I think, 17%. And then they just continued to knock it out the park. Um, so that's that. With respect to the, 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 the insider share, uh, selling, you know, this Chilean investor got in at $3, got out at 60, made hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm not knocking him for that. We're, you know, a lot of people argue we're in an overvalued stock market. The solar space is suffering. So him taking money off the table, three to 60 makes sense. And then with respect to the insiders at solar, or I'm sorry, didn't face selling, you know, their positions as well, again, three to 60. So, and, 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 and talking to the Indian employees unnamed, so there were a lot of, you know, interesting tidbits in there. But I think when you take a step back, I actually think Enphase's numbers have the potential to surprise to the upside uh, when they report 2Q. So I would be wary of being short that stock into earnings. I would be short SolarEdge. What about the other solar stocks uh, like First Solar? I know you've covered that. And um, it's one that's been kind of just sleepy. It doesn't get the headlines that maybe Enphase right. and SolarEdge get anymore. It used to be right. the leader. It doesn't feel like that anymore. What are your thoughts on FSLR? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, First Solar, you know, they have contracts that they've signed. Listen, think about this, right? First Solar, assuming perfect execution, is targeting a cost of 22 cents for their Series, their, their, their series 6 tech, not technology, effectively. The problem is prices in the second half of this year, right? BNEF put out a report that said contracts are being struck for modules purchased in June at 17.7 cents a watt. So prices for, for modules right now are being purchased at below First Solar's theoretical best case scenario. So the question with First Solar is, do their customers break contracts and or do they have to lower their prices? I think the module manufacturers have significant risk um, in the back half. That's First Solar, that's Jinko, that's SunPower, in particular SunPower because they're, they're hemorrhaging so much cash. That's CSIQ. Um, because U.S. prices have been the basically tailwind to weak global prices. Trump's policy enabled, you know, basically shut Chinese modules out of the U.S. That caused a premium for U.S. modules last year selling for, you know, 45 cents, whereas global modules were selling for 25. That, 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 that spread has shrunk significantly, and with it, the margins of the module manufacturers. I'd be very wary on all of solar because – there's a lot of my peers out there, sell-side analysts, pumping this story of a V-shaped recovery. I was on the phone with CED Green Tech yesterday. I spoke to Kranich last week. I spoke to Huawei out in China last week. The, 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 the numbers aren't looking good. So I think there's disappointment coming across the board in the solar space. Uh, one more on solar before we move on, but is, is there any one that you really like going forward? Any one name? It would have to be Enphase. Um, and when I say like, look, I, I, I don't have official, I don't have a rating on Enphase, so I can't say buy, sell. Okay. But what I will say is they're taking share. And I think the prescience point report was off base, uh, potentially significantly. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, so I think that 
when their two Q numbers come out, there's potential significant upside surprise potential. Whereas I think with Solar Edge, you're going to get downside surprise to potential. You talk to Enphase, they'll tell you they're back at 2019 sales levels right now. On the, the recorded JP Morgan call last week, where Solar Edge's CFO, CEO presented, they said they're still below. So I think that share loss, I think it's mixed shift to lower margin business, and that's not what consensus is expecting. We're on the line with Gordon Johnson, founder of GLGJ Research, uh, always making bold calls in the market. Uh, I want to talk to you about X here. Uh, boy, it sold off ahead of the, the secondary. You got that at 858, overhanging that stock. Uh, to me, when I look at that, you know, are we, is the economy in a recession or are we turn around, we booming, we're building new buildings, new cars. Talk to us about U.S. Steel. Yes, yeah, so U.S. Steel was one we recently upgraded to hold. We've been negative forever. Uh, we maintain a generally negative backdrop on steel. The idea was we were talking to government contacts. Trump was going to come out with his stimulus plan, which he did, a, a trillion. And then the, 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 the Democrats came out with theirs, 1.5 trillion. You have a highway bill that's going to be renewed. That's going to be talked about as stimulus. It's not really, but that's going to be the story. That'll be a catalyst. You know, we thought that U.S. mills were going to collude and not ramp capacity. Clearly, that was wrong. And now with U.S. auto manufacturers producing again, the tailwind to U.S. steel prices, i.e. lack of scrap, is now the exact opposite. It's a headwind. So we think that U.S. steel prices are potentially going to take another leg lower because we don't think there's any fuel um, or tailwinds for the U.S. steel uh, mills to raise prices. So, you know, we're hold rated. But we think that there's, um, you know, pretty, you know, modest to significant headwinds ahead for prices and sentiment. And given that U.S. still is the high cost guy, you know, uh, you know, I think we were the street low on, on, on 2Q EBITDA, negative roughly 200 million. They're, they came in and said they're going to do over negative 400 million. Um, we think as prices fall, that stock will come under pressure, potentially near term. Um, so we would be cautious there. And then, Gordon, as far as Tesla is concerned, you've got some analysts estimating as many as 650,000 pre-orders for the Cybertruck. Uh, we know you're not a fan of their accounting practices and, and how, they, how they kind of pull, uh, pull purchases and, and pre-orders forward, uh, but still bearish? Extremely. I mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't be more bearish. Um, be more and bearish. look, look, Tesla's completely detached from reality. The stock has kicked my butt. I'll admit that. And, you know, people laugh when I say I'm bearish, as you guys are. But the reality is Tesla's value at a multiple of VW. They sold 367,000 cars last year. VW sold 10 million. Um, uh, they've never made profit. We think they're going to lose money again this year. And, you know, Elon Musk keeps shifting the, the goalposts, right? Initially, it was the S and the X where he was going to dominate in the luxury market. That didn't happen, right? Then it was the Model 3, which was going to be their mass market car that took them to profitability. That didn't happen. Then it was the Model Y, right? They won't even tell you what orders are on the Model Y. Listen, a deposit for the Cybertruck is $50, right? I don't think this, the, the truck is street legal. Um, they don't have a facility to make it. It's, it's almost like the, the, the Tesla Semi where, you know, they were taking pre-orders for $100,000, you know, three years ago, and they still haven't made the car. I think what Elon Musk is trying to do is shift the goalposts again on numbers that are going to be bad this year and try to get people to look out to the next product. When the model, when the, when the, when the cyber truck disappoints, it's going to be some other product that's coming. It's going to be big, right? We were supposed to see a million robo taxis this year. 
right? They were supposed to be battery swap for these guys. They were supposed to be selling a thousand solar roofs, whether it was a week or a day, right? None of that happened, but that was all narratives that one could catch on to. Look, you got to look at their fundamentals. And I think the problem for Tesla this year is you could talk coronavirus and say, okay, their Q2 numbers are bad because COVID, right? The problem is every auto manufacturer is affected by COVID. So if they lose market share in every single market, then there's going to be no getting around that. And that is what's happening. This, this, isn't, this isn't up for debate. Like, I, you know, the, the, I was talking to a peer of mine who came out last week, took his target up to, I think, 1,200. And he was talking about momentum. And I called him up and I said, what are you talking about momentum? And he hadn't seen any of the data that is, is readily available. So I think that people are riding the stock. They're putting out stories uh, that aren't even backed by the data. And I think as we get through this year, people are going to realize, look, the Tesla's not only losing share, but momentum for EVs is slowing. In Colorado, again, the most generous EV market in the United States, not only is Tesla, the Tesla's April, May sales fall 73% year over year, but the percent of EVs as a, as, as a percentage of total mix of autos fell. So not only are their sales falling, their market share falling, but the total EV pie is falling. And I think that people are shifting back to ICEs given uncertainty around COVID as well as penetration. And I think that that's going to become crystal clear to a lot of the Tesla investors. Look, this stock, given where it's trading, right, their sales should be growing exponentially. And they're not. They're declining. So I think as that resonates with a lot of investors, I think you're going to get significant pressure in the stock. ICE being internal combustion engine. Uh, Gordon, I, I, I shudder to think uh, what your thoughts are on, on Nikola. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't have, I can't, I'm not positive or negative. I don't officially cover the stock. I've followed okay. it closely. Um, hydrogen trucks, trucks make sense. The problem is um, he doesn't have a plant to produce it. He doesn't have a working truck. Um, and the stock's valued as if he's going to take over the entire truck space. So a lot of these stocks are valued as if these guys have already won globally. And that's a very hard thing to do in the auto business, as one would see if you just took a step back and, and it didn't listen to all the, the bluster on Tesla and just looked at their financial numbers. They've lost money every single year, billions of dollars. They burn a significant amount of cash and all of their revenue is essentially um, uh, government credits, you know, essentially EV credits they're selling. It's government incentives. Without those incentives on a run rate basis, the numbers would be even worse, right? Last quarter, I think it was upwards of 300 million and unexpected incentives they took in the quarter that they're pulling in. You know, they call it full self-drive, this, this revenue they have, you know, they, they, they have a lot of deferred revenue of full self-drive, but that doesn't even exist. They're level two autonomy, according to Navigant. They're the worst out of everyone. So they're selling products that, in my mind, and in reality, based on definitions, don't exist. Um, so I think that with Nikolai, you know, I like the thought of hydrogen technology, and I think a lot of people do, but we need to see execution before we give a company, you know, a multi-billion dollar, 10, 20, 30, 40 billion dollar valuation as these guys are valued at. You're not, you're not saying they can't. You're just saying they haven't yet. I'm saying they haven't. And what I will say is given the, um, the recent communications of the CEO on Twitter where he's already going after short sellers, let me tell you, so. I talk to a lot of short sellers. There's nobody short this stock. The cost to borrow, I think, is 800%. So he's going after short sellers that don't even exist. It's like he's reinventing the Elon Musk playbook when there's no real playbook to invent yet because that's not even a risk for the stock yet. So that is a, a red flag. So we, we want to see execution before you start going after short sellers. Um, so, again, 
the technology is interesting. It, it, you know, it, it would be like if I said I want to build a spaceship. I, I IPO'd. I have nothing, and my I get a twenty billion dollar valuation. It's like it, well, that's it's the way. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes now. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, a lot of that again has to do with the Fed money, but it, it's it's not. Uh, it's not something that, um, you know, isn't without significant risk in our view. Yeah. All right. Gordon Johnson is always giving us a great perspective on. Love it, Gordon. Thank you, man. Way to bring Absolutely. your A-game. Thanks for the time today, Jordan. Uh, Gordon. Sorry. Gordon Johnson. By the way, guys, I, I pulled an all-nighter last night. I haven't slept. I, I, was, I, I, I put out a note. We didn't talk cannabis. I put out a note on oh, the board. Let's, let's talk, talk cannabis. cannabis. We got three minutes for cannabis. cannabis. Oh boy! All right, yeah, go we gotta so, talk cannabis. We, we gotta three talk minutes. cannabis. Come on! He's staying it's on very, for cannabis. It's very important. It's very important. The cannabis stocks have been on a tear, as has pretty much every stock. Um, so what happened is Health Canada used to put out data every month. Health Canada put out sales data and inventory data, widely followed by the industry. They stopped doing it last year in November. The most recent data from Health Canada hasn't been updated since November. So a lot of people are still on their data. However, Stats Canada. Everybody, one of your listeners, you're following Canada's, go to Stacks Canada's website, call them up. They'll tell you where to find the sales data. They put out sales data. So here's what happened. May, in, I'm sorry, in March, cannabis sales skyrocketed. What happened? Everybody got scared. They thought we were going to be locked in a long time. So people stocked up on inventory. They stocked up on inventory of cannabis. Sales in March were very strong, up 19% month over month. Everybody got excited and said, okay, we're now hitting that, that upward trajectory that we've been expecting. Stocks rallied significantly. Well, Tilray went from what, $2 to 12. Um, ACB was up what, 120% Aurora. So then fast forward, we got April sales data last week. Guess what? Sales data down in April. What does that mean? You have 24 months of inventory in the Canadian cannabis um, industry based on Health Canada data as of November. So you need tremendous growth in sales every month or you're gonna get significant declines in prices. So data came out for sales in April, down 0.6%, but nonetheless down. You had um, license approvals, right? Incremental stores opened in Canada, came out for ju uh, um, on June, down 40% versus May. Um, 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 and then you had sales, I'm sorry, pricing data come out, 1Q down significantly. So here's what I think is going to happen. There's a lot of optimism priced into these stocks. Aurora's trading at a price, uh, EV to sales multiple of like 5.5 times. The MSOs in the US who actually generate positive EBITDA are trading at less than half that. So I think what happens is two Q numbers come out. I think they're going to be a big disappointment, not just from a volume perspective, but from a margin perspective. I think there's going to be big cash burns for the Canadian guys. I think the U.S. guys do well. I think the Canadian guys don't. I think the stocks trade off significantly. When I say the stocks, I'm talking about Aurora and Tilray. And again, the data backs up what I'm saying. We always thought March was a head fake, but the April data actually supports that. Yeah, so but, I'd be very but, cautious, very cautious on the Canadian stocks um, uh, you know, I'd be short Aurora, I'd be short Tilray, and maybe on the flip side of that, you may look positively on some of the U.S. MSOs. Yeah, but Gordon, how are those cannabis sales in April year over year? Were they still improving? Oh, yeah. I mean, but keep in mind, right? If, if you're looking at year over year, you're talking about, you know, April of 20 versus April of 19. Yeah. In April of 19, sales were still going on an upward trajectory. So you'll hit, you know, like for like comps at some point next year. So look at them year over year isn't really the way to look at them. You got to look at them month over month because there's so much inventory in the channel. Again, it's like, I say 24 months of inventory and people just say, okay, but go look at Intel, go look at, you know, even one of these solar companies, they're sitting on like maybe two months of inventory and that's concerning. These guys are sitting on two years of inventory. That yeah. means if sales aren't constantly growing, 
prices are going to collapse. Margins are going to continue to fall. I think that's what you see in 2Q. All right. Sounds like you're bullish. The USO is just like me, the true leaves, <laughs> the cure leaves, the, uh, the, the, the green thumbs of, of the world. So I, I like to hear that. Uh, yeah, Gordon, cure leaf, uh, they, they're doing, they're doing well on EBITDA. You got to respect that. All right. I like to hear that. Gordon Johnson is the founder of GLJ research. Gordon, we appreciate your time as always. Thanks a lot for your insights. Absolutely guys. All right. Uh, nine o'clock here. That was uh, fun. That always a fun time. That was fun. He brings the heat. He brings the heat. Oh, yeah. He brings he the passion. <laughs> you like it. You don't like it. This is Benzinga's pre-market prep. We bring on who we want, when we want. You don't like it, get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go watch CNBC. All right. Uh, any final thoughts here, guys? Ah, uh, final thoughts. Go, go ahead, Joel. Dennis. Go, you uh, go first. I mean, 45.75, that's your pre-market high. I, I mean... I'll be looking for another, you know, 10, 12 points. 56 and a quarter was last week's high. We've come this far, this fast. Why not? Uh, if we can't get up there, we can't take out the pre-market high, I look for a little bit of a fade. But uh, already a huge range over our average daily range. But, man, in this market, you know, anything can happen. I'll but, give you uh, an imbalance look. Sure. They're 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 to the buy side. They're not huge though, so that's something to consider here. Um, remember, if you're coming in and buying here this morning, you're not only buying up 30 handles, you're buying up 90 handles from you the are. low last night. Yeah. So you know there is a lot of air beneath you. There is uncertainty with what is going on in the White House. I mean, there's been uncertainty there for a while, so maybe that's nothing new. But it's all stuff to just think about. Um, looking at individual imbalances, Bank America 150,000 to buy. The banks are hot here this morning. They are trading up significantly. TLT is down, so it's usually the case when the TLT is red. It's good for the banks. Um, looking just at other ones, AT&T 199,000 to buy. Looking at Coca-Cola 131,000 to buy. Wells Fargo 111,000 to buy. Going back to the banks, but for the most part. The imbalances are there, but they're not significant movers here this morning. There's not like, whoa, these things, imbalances are huge and these stocks are going to fly. They're buy imbalances, but they're, they're, not, they're not that big that I you know, think this market's going to continue, uh, at least this morning, to go higher. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually leaked into the open a bit. All right. Uh, that'll be a wrap for us. I'll pull up a watch this again. I think I got most of the stocks we covered on the show, but there was a list of all of the stocks we talked about today. If you want to keep them on your radar, thanks to our guest, Gordon Johnson. Thanks to all of you in our chat. Hit that like button, smash the subscribe button. That helps us with our YouTube overlords. Uh, please remember all the information from this show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or no. training advice. Joel and I will try to be back at 340 uh, today. We were having some problems yesterday, but we, we appear to have more out now. So we'll be back in the afternoon. In the meantime, everyone have a great rest of your Tuesday and stay safe and good luck. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.